Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Morning, morning, morning. What a great gathering. In Portland, there is no church today because there was an announcement that there might be snow. (laughs) In Idaho, you folks are so tough. Nothing stopped you from church. And this was just a sprinkle. This was a nothing snow, right? This is a nothing snow. The real stuff is on its way. It'll be here at 6 o'clock tonight. (laughs) It's good to be with Ken and Connie, our lifelong friends. Uh, Literally, we all started together in the ministry when we were young and uh, had a lot of dreams and ideas. And we worked together in Portland. Ken was in the school, and I was in the college. And uh, we've been friends ever since. So we've been friends for just over 100 years. <laughs> 100 years. And uh, great to be with uh, Chris and Kelly uh, and his seven children. Uh, talk about a hero. I mean, he's my hero. Seven children, twins. I can't even imagine what it takes just to feed one bottle. You know, we had our grandkids this last week for six days, six days, three grandkids at our house. And that was close to Armageddon as you're going to (laughs) get. You forget how draining children are. You know, it's wonderful to have them. I mean, I loved it. My wife did most of the work. But it was a great thing to say goodbye. (laughs) And for us to rest and sleep for a couple days, like Elijah who had run for 40 days, you know, we, we had to have some rest. But great to have children and grandchildren, so... I congratulate you as a church for navigating so well through the last couple of years through pandemic and all the stuff that has happened. Uh, I think that uh, Chris and Kelly are just wonderful pastors. And uh, we should give it up for them right now and uh, appreciate his ability uh, to communicate the Word of God. Uh, I mean, he calls me his mentor. I hardly... I mean, I might have mentored him along the way somewhere. He's so smart. Why would I want to mentor him, you know? He's already swallowed a dictionary. And so, you know, to mentor him, I've had a little encouragement there and with Ken and Connie. uh, But I so honor their gift and the church that they're building and what's going on here. All right. My time's going to go fast as it did in the first service. I went a little over. I promise, I don't promise anything about the ending of the service. Uh, But because I have a flight to catch, you will get out. 
I'm going to address something that will be not new to anybody in the room, not one single person. Whether you're a visitor trying to figure out life, church, and everything else, or whether you've been around church your whole life, been preached at, you've received the word. This is a subject that everyone understands. At least you acknowledge this subject. Not that you understand it as deeply as the subject can be, but we all do. And I'll tell you what that will be. We're entering into that time period of uh, Christmas. You know, the, the whole the whole thing about Christmas is a wonderful thing. I'm not one of these guys that beats up on Santa Claus, you know, calls him Satan Claus. Uh, you know, some people do that kind of stuff, you know, and try to do a word study on his name and come up with, you know, he's a cousin of the Antichrist and all that stuff. I don't do that. I like Saint Nick. I like what he does. I like the season. You know, there's just so many of them running around in red suits all over. But there's, there's a great thing about Christmas gifts, giving, receiving, family dinners. And of course, with that comes a host of people that is not so much fun. They're not with family. They're brokenhearted. They don't have a lot to give or a lot to receive. And it's a absolute depressing month for those people. I know those people. And so it goes both ways. Those that have celebrate, those that have not pretend to celebrate or try to celebrate, but they still have their issues that they have to carry in their life. During this season, and in America and around the world, Santa Claus is, is better known than Jesus. He is celebrated, he's talked about, he's on every card. Schools will do anything with the Christmas thing as long as Santa's involved. Try to put Jesus in that, in a public school, and they'll remove it. They'll remove it, at least they do in Portland. They won't let you do it. Celebrate Santa, not a problem. Celebrate Jesus, no religion. Well, where do you think Christmas came from? Came from Santa. Uh, no, it did not. And so we have all of those things we deal with when it comes to Christmas. And with all the, the celebrations that happen, sometimes the reason for the season, as you've heard that term, we forget the true person that's in that season. And your friends and your family and your schools and everybody you're involved with, I guarantee you it would be a revelation to them if they would bring Jesus into their celebration, be a revelation. It would be a life-changing event for them to recognize that Jesus, if, if you really celebrated Christmas and you actually then learned that you're celebrating the incarnation of Christ, you're celebrating the miracle of Jesus being born by a virgin. You're celebrating the miracle 
of the incarnation, the word becoming flesh. You're celebrating the answer to the universe. If you really knew that, you might take a deeper look at Christmas and you might take a deeper look at everything else and say, wow, what I'm celebrating is so far beyond a Christmas tree and a Christmas gift. I'm celebrating the creator of the universe. I'm celebrating the answer to mankind. I'm celebrating something that is so awesome here. And so as believers, we understand that. Unchurched, unbelieving people do not understand that, although they do know Jesus is somewhat involved somewhere, but they're totally on the other side. I want to refer to and teach on the name Jesus, the name Jesus, his name, Jesus, Jesus. When he was born, the name was given to him as Jesus. The herald, the angels, you'll call him Jesus, who will take away the sins of the world, who will heal the brokenhearted. You'll call his name Jesus. There's a lot of names in the Bible referring to Jesus, over 300. But the name chosen by the writers of the Gospels was Jesus. 500 times in the gospel, it's Jesus. They're talking about Jesus 500 times just in the gospels. 1,200 times in the epistles, the writers talk about Jesus. Why? Because there's something supernatural in the name Jesus. Just to say the name Jesus disperses darkness. Just to say the name, Jesus. Some people use it as a curse word. But God doesn't listen to their little minds and their little tongues. He knows that they're talking about the true living Son of God. And so even though they might use it as a curse word, they're actually bringing light into their heart whenever they say it. You cannot have darkness overtake you in any way when you say the name Jesus. Matter of fact, why don't we practice a little bit this morning? Why don't you all just say with me out loud, Jesus? Jesus. Let's say it a little bit louder. Jesus. Let's say it kind of really loud. Jesus. Who is the Savior of the world? Jesus. Who can heal the broken heart? Jesus. Who can change your life right now? There's something about that name, Jesus. There's something in it. Do you remember growing up, if you grew up in church, some of the old hymns about Jesus? How about how sweet the name of Jesus sounds? If I was a singer, I'd love to rip off a few choruses and sing this and sing that and keep preaching and rip off something else. But if I started singing, something would be ripped. But it wouldn't be the greatness of the song. You, you would say, shut that man up. He's, what is he doing? You know, my wife's a singer, piano player. I am not. But how sweet the name of Jesus. How about blessed be the name? Remember that old song? Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be that name. How about there's a name I love to hear? Old him. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. 
Come on, how many remember some of these old ones? Jesus. And he just brings up, there's something about singing about Jesus, the sweetest name I've ever known. Master, Savior, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Remember that chorus? We used to sing that at the college all the time when I was going to the college in Portland. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And whenever you sing it, kind of a refreshing would come into your spirit, just like it says, Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. But there's something about that name. And so when we sing about that name, that name actually brings an atmosphere. It brings a realm of the supernatural. It brings in the possibility of God doing something. In the book of Acts, it says that they were forbid to work miracles in the name of Jesus. Because when that name was preached, things began to happen. When they preached Jesus, people got saved. When the demonized people rose up against the gospel, they were delivered in the name of Jesus. I want to speak the name of Jesus over your life today. I want to speak the name of Jesus and all of its depth over you, the sweetest name, the most powerful name, the name of Jesus. When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. And that not, that's not just a religious thing. That's a revelation of this thing called the name of Jesus. Karl Barth, one of the great theologians who is respected and followed by all theologians, on his deathbed, they asked him to summarize his theological discussions that he had had with all the theologians over the years, how would you summarize your theological discovery yourself? How would you summarize it? This great mind, this great man. He glanced over the group of reporters and preachers that had gathered around his bed and theologians and everyone waiting for that, that word from Karl Barth. I mean, he is going to give us a word that we'll print and we'll put into our colleges and a word that we'll remember him by right now. So they're leaning into this theologian. And Carl Barth began to sing the little song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. All of his depth of thought, theological writings, on his last breath, he simply brings up the centerpiece of the universe and the centerpiece of all theology and the centerpiece on the reason all of us should be praising and looking to God this morning is the name Jesus. Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. Come on, can you give a shout and a clap this morning? Yes, 
Jesus loves me. Loves you the way you are. Loves you through it all. Never, ever will stop loving you. Jesus loves me. This I know. My favorite song, at least one of them, but definitely the one Brooks wrote a while back. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name it is. You have no rival. You have no equal. Your name is above all names. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. He will break every chain. He will break every chain. He will break every chain. There's power in the name of Jesus. When you sing that, when you, when you enter into that song, something lifts your faith a little bit higher. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful Savior. I have hope. You know what? He can break every chain. He can break my chains. He can break their chains. He can break all chains. There's no chain strong enough to resist the name of Jesus. And as we lift our hands and we sing that chorus, what a wonderful name. No rival. There's no rival to that name. Nobody can rival that name. There's no equal to that name. Nobody can equal that name. It's the name lifted high above all mankind. Every knee shall bow at that name, at the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name. He breaks every chain. He breaks every chain. The powerful name of Jesus. When the apostles finished that first 10 days with Jesus, and they were on their way now to preach, they had a 40-day seminar with the resurrected Christ, the book of Acts. Then they had 10 days of prayer meeting, which made it 50, which was Pentecost, which was fulfillment of the feast. So they had the Passover, the cross. They have now Pentecost, the outpouring, 50, the fullness of. And so it was in that moment as they experienced, as we experienced, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But as soon as they left that room, as soon as they left the room, they started preaching in the name of Jesus. Now for them, it was no longer some biblical revelation or some Bible study because the canon of Scripture had not been written. They were preaching from an encounter with the living Christ. They watched him do the miracles. They watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. They watched him cast out demons. They were with him feeding the 5,000. Jesus was that man. He was the fulfillment of that promise. He was supernatural. He was mighty. He could do all these things. The 38 miracles you have in the Gospels, they experienced those miracles. So when they turned to the crowd, they didn't preach in the name of someone else or in the name of Gamaliel, the great thinker of that day, or in the name of themselves, they only knew one name and one way to do this. We command you in the name of Jesus to be healed by the power 
of that man, that man, that man that we've walked with for three years, the power that he had. We speak to you in his name and what he did, we're now going to do in the name of Jesus. Rise up and be healed. And the man at the gate who was crippled in his ankles and could not rise up in his own strength, immediately it says the spirit of God came upon him and he stood up and he experienced a miracle. Where did it come from? Through the name of Jesus. Just think about it. The power that's in that name. And when that happened in Acts 3, when they finally saw their miracle in that name, they started preaching that name everywhere. Every time they ran into a problem, in the name of Jesus. We speak to you right now. Let these doors be open in the name of Jesus. And it says in chapter 4, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and all the government religious people were trying to put them under. They said, we forbid you to preach in the name of Jesus. You can preach whatever, but you can no longer fill the streets with this name because this name is causing us trouble. Every time you preach this name, there's earthquakes and there's deliverance and there's miracles and people are being turned around and people are being saved and cities are being turned upside down in the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. When people get saved, they're to confess with their mouth, Jesus. When you pray, maybe you've already got this, but in the future, whatever you face, try this first in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, don't curse the darkness. Raise the level of the light. Don't, don't get mad at the kingdom of hell. Just raise up the kingdom of heaven. Don't, don't fight with the demons. Simply put Jesus in front of you and just start saying, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I speak to this body. I speak to this disease. I speak to this problem. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over those things that have tried to have authority over me. In the name of Jesus, I speak to my mind. I speak to my body. I speak to my marriage. I speak to my finance. You speak in the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, 9, and 10, I quoted, therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow those in heaven and those on earth. And what about this phrase? And those under the earth. Yeah. Wow. What about that one? Yeah. We, we quote it, those in heaven, those on earth. But we kind of leave out the last one, those under the earth. And so there is a place that people can be found under the earth. And even those people will bow to the name of Jesus. Everybody will bow to the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you right now, every demon will bow to the name of Jesus. I'll tell you right now, every problem, every discouragement, 
every kind of dysfunctionality that America is experiencing, our medical book on dysfunctionalities in the last decade has grown from a 200-page book to a 900-page book. We now have more dysfunctionalities than anybody could ever describe. Everything's a functionality. Every kind of anxiety, every kind of mindset, every kind of uh, thing you go through as a child, everything to do with your emotions, everything to do with depression, everything to do. We have all kinds of dysfunctionalities that the doctors recommend pills for. And, and, and if you watch any TV, there's like advertisement for every kind of pill to fix every kind of problem in the human body now. They're making millions on that. But I'll tell you right now, there still is a God in heaven who heals people. There is a God in heaven who can turn dysfunctionalities around. There's a God in heaven that can solve your anxiety without any drugs. There's a God in heaven that can deliver your depression without any drugs. A hundred years ago, we had none of these medicines. Now, I praise God for the medical world because I've been through my share of stuff. But I'll tell you what. Even in the medical world, I still use the spiritual world as my forthgoing method to get healed or to get out of the hospital. I'm not just waiting for another shot or another pill. I'm speaking to my body and I'm saying to my body, body, respond. In the name of Jesus, respond. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. I believe there's power in the name. And we don't use it enough. We don't use it enough. Use it all the time. God will never say, quit using it so much. You're getting carried away. I can't keep up with you. You're always using that name. He will never say that. He will say, use it. Preach it. Fill the streets with it. Fill the city with it. People might Look at church and see church as what it is sometimes. It's sometimes churches, churches get in the way of Jesus. Hate to say that. But your biggest, your biggest message is not your doctrine. It's not your ethics, your morals. It's not your political stances. It's not the things you fight on every issue. And I know all the things out there that are important, but I tell you, our message, our message is summed up in one person, and that person is Jesus. That is our message. That is our method. That is our power. That is our reason for existing. It's Jesus. Jesus. They wouldn't preach Jesus. They prayed in the name of Jesus. They cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm almost through half of my introduction. How many are getting something out of this? How many of you, even while I'm preaching, underneath... You're whispering in your heart, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Something about that name. I need it. I need more. Jesus, come on. 
Visit me. Come on, Jesus. Deliver me. Come on, Jesus. His name is Jesus. God's only son, the savior of my soul, everlasting, always love, and never failing, strong in every storm, my healer, redeemer. His name is Jesus. Jesus is bigger than we think, greater than we can comprehend. Nothing is beyond his ability. His name is Jesus. Time magazine, I quote, it would require much exotic calculation to deny that the single most powerful figure of all the human race and human history has been Jesus of Nazareth. More has been written about Jesus than any other living human being ever. More books, more songs, more poems. Jesus, 100 biographies just in English alone have been written about Jesus. Thousands of books, thousands of books have been written about Jesus. Theologians are still reproducing and producing more material, material from the past, material from now, new research coming out about Jesus, about his birth, about his resurrection, about the cross, about what happened uh, with the Holy Spirit outpouring, every piece of Jesus' life and the miracles and how many miracles. And if you want to read that, there's a theological community you can join. And I'm just, I, I joined that. And I'm, I'm just baffled, I'm amazed how they are still multiplying 50 pages on two words and one verse about Jesus. Why? You can never plumb the depth of Jesus. You can never go all the way down. You can never comprehend the whole thing. He's beyond that. He is the Son of God. He's the eternal Son of God, as was read this morning. He's the Word of God made flesh. Jesus is our Savior, and that in itself... <coughs> it's something to understand. As a boy, my father was a Baptist pastor and he used to call people forward every service. And he would call the unsaved forward and they would meet him at the front. And he would pray individually, individually with each person that came to get saved or prodigals. Each person, no matter how long the line was, that's what he did. And I remember sitting on the front row and I, I could hear my dad praying with people. Okay, I want you to repeat after me. Jesus, you are the son of God. You died for me. You rose from the dead and you are alive today. Jesus, I asked you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I would listen to that prayer over and over again. And this is what my little mind would say. How? How can a person be transformed, even though I didn't know that word, I didn't use it, but I'm using it now. How could a person just by saying those words not go to hell, but go to heaven. Just by saying the words. 
It would baffle me. It would absolutely get my attention every time. You mean if I say the words and if I use the name, I'm no longer going to hell. I'm now going to heaven and Jesus will live in me. I can't comprehend it. I don't get it. And it took me a long time to work through it as a young person in church because it just seemed so odd that words could change a person's life. But the fact is, Jesus is your Savior and the only way you will ever have him as your Savior is if you use the words, the call on the name of Jesus. You have to call on the name of Jesus. You have to pray in the name of Jesus. And those words somehow become tangible. Enter into your heart and your life change. And it's boggling that a person actually changes after saying those words. They used to drink, now they don't drink. They used to beat their wife once a week, now they only do it every other week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so they're, they're changed by the word. Jesus is the greatest phenomenon that has crossed the horizons of this globe. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the captive's ransom. He's the centerpiece of all civilization, unparalleled, unsurpassed. His name is Jesus. Unparalleled and unsurpassed. And we get to have him as our own. I've preached in a lot of different countries at this globe, and it's always fascinated me through a translator through the simplicity of just preaching the most simple message, people are saved. Churches are planted. People are transformed. Towns that used to do wicked things no longer do them. All, all in the name of Jesus. There's a lot of religions that are still talking about their leader, but their leader's dead never rose from the dead. And they can't do anything in the name of that leader. Nothing works. We have the only religion where the leader is still alive. We have the only one. Jesus. He's the Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, Bony Star, Word of Life, Day Springs, Shepherd, Messiah, Wonderful Counselor, King of Kings, Emmanuel, Bread of Life, Captain of Salvation, Cornerstone, First and Last, Great High Priest, Redeemer, Resurrection, Life, Rock, Rose of Sharon, Light, Vine, and Word of God. Can you repeat that with me now? No, I'm just kidding. There are 300 of those kind of names right there. And you, you recognize probably all of them. But the one they chose to write about was the name Jesus. The one that turned the book of Hebrews from a code of ethics to a person entering your life was Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6. You know the scripture. It's used at Christmas. For unto us a child is born virgin birth, incarnation, 
the theology of the incarnation is still mind-boggling. Under what the son is given, he was never not a son. He was already fully son. And the government will be upon his shoulder. What government? What government are we talking about, Isaiah? That will be upon his shoulder. The church government? The civil government? What government? Isaiah goes on to say, and his name will be called Wonderful. Come on, say it out loud. Wonderful. wonderful. One more time. Come on. Wonderful. Turn your neighbor and say, wonderful. wonderful. Now, if you say to someone, we're going to have a wonderful time, you kind of get the feel. Or if you say to someone, she is so wonderful. Or the food is wonderful. When Isaiah says we're going to call him wonderful, the idea in that is he will surprise you. He will surprise you with what? Wonderful things. He's so wonderful that he has so much to give you and so many surprises coming your way. He can't possibly tell you all of this good stuff that's coming because you would just simply either not believe it or you would just go spinning around and flip out somehow because there's so many wonderful things. I'm telling you right now, if you're breathing, everyone take a breath. Come on, take one more. That means you're alive. That means you're alive. That's a good thing. You're alive. And if you're alive, there's more good things coming your way. He will surprise you with wonderful things. Counselor. Boy, do we need that one. We go everywhere but the right place to get right counsel. Jesus is the best counselor. The Word of God's the best counselor. The fact is, it's the greatest wisdom that you'll ever have in your life. The problem is we don't like what the Bible says. So when the Bible says, oh, you want counsel on you and your girlfriend? Yeah. Uh, you can't sleep with her before marriage. Well, that's old-fashioned. Well, uh, you wanted counsel, right? You cannot have a relationship like that outside of the covenant. And if you do, you will hurt yourself. I'm not counseling you for my good. I'm counseling for your good. If you want counsel about your money, here's the counsel. Give God the first piece, 10%. Honor him, trust him, tithe. Uh, gee, you know, I don't know about tithe. I think tithe is an Old Testament word. I think tithe is a little bit legalistic. I think tithe is putting a percentage on something from the Old Testament that God doesn't do in the New Testament. So I'm not sure I really want to. Okay, fine, fine. Let's just go to the New Testament. Let's forget what you just said. What's the New Testament say? Give it all. <laughs> so, so where do you want to start? You want to start with Acts or you want to start with Malachi? You know, Malachi is looking better all the time. <laughs> if you want counsel about your money, tithe. Now, 
How many in this room do not tithe? Do not lift your hand. <laughs> but there are people in this room that make money that tip God, give an offering once in a while, but they don't systematically tithe. And then they have financial difficulties and they come for counsel and I say to them, your finance is out of order. Yes. What do you mean it's out of order? We have to start with the first fruits. What do you mean the first fruits? The first fruit. What do you mean? The fruit of the first, the first fruit, the first. You know, F-I-R-S-T, first. So when you get the check, your first fruit comes out first. Well, I don't like that. What happens if I have more bills during the month? You're missing the whole point. If you can't trust God with your money, you probably can't trust him with anything. I don't know how I got onto all these subjects. But it sounds really good to me. Come on, how many want good counsel? Mighty God, wonderful counselor, my message you should get from the first service, which is on mighty God. That's what I preach, the first service. But with you, I kind of meandered. But it was a Holy Ghost meandering. Mighty God. Everyone say, Mighty God. Boy, do we ever, ever need a mighty God. We need a mighty God. We don't just need a, a, a kind of strong God. We need a mighty God. The world has been messed up forever. It's been messed up since creation, okay? Nothing new. And if you think our world is bad now, you obviously don't read the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament, you would say in any of those cities and, and, and nations that were taking place with the sin level and, and, I mean, we don't have in America people taking their babies and putting them into uh, the idol worship and the hot hands of the uh, idol. That's how they cook the baby alive. This is in your Bible. And those idolatrous nations and what God did over a period of time. If I was God, I would have killed the first one that brought the first child. They would have been history and their whole genealogy would have been wiped out. But that's why I'm not God. God was merciful, but there's sin level there. Our nation is bad, but it's not as bad as many of the nations in the Old Testament. And if you think that we are going to get through this worst dark time period by fighting the darkness, you are totally off. The way for our nation, like any nation, to get on track is to preach the name of Jesus. Pray the name of Jesus. Live the name of Jesus. Beg for the blessing of Jesus. Read the word of God. Like 
what Chris said this morning, and darkness will not overcome us. It won't win. It won't win, folks. No matter how much the devil throws at us, he will never win, ever. We have already won. We're just doing cleanup. So he's a mighty God. This service is over at 12.30. Is that right? Good. So I'm only six minutes over. Yeah, so that's nothing. That's nothing. In the eyes of God, that is nothing. Uh, this definition would help you. Mighty God is all-powerful, a force of unlimited authority and influence, unrestrained and infinite in power. Okay, so when I pray in the name of Jesus, all the names of Jesus could be prayed with it. He's the light. He's the bread. He's the morning star, which means hope rising at dawn. Hope coming out of darkness. That's the morning star. And so as I pray each one of the names, which would be a great thing for you to grab all the names you could and get uh, 300 of them for the year or 52 weeks and just pray each one of the names of God in the name of Jesus, this would be one that you should add for this Christmas season. In the name of Jesus. My mighty God. He is my mighty God. He will do mighty things. And I prophesy over myself, you're a mighty God over my life. You're a mighty God over my finance, over my job, over my children. You're a mighty God. And everything that comes against you will be brought to nothing because you're a mighty God. And that mighty God is moving in my life right now. And I proclaim mighty God over my life. Come on, put your head, hand on your forehead like you're going to prophesy over yourself. Even if you don't understand prophecy, just go along with me. It makes you look mature. <laughs> so you put your hand on your forehead. Don't worry about your makeup. And you prophesy to yourself and you say, and I want you to say this out loud. Today, Today I, pray I pray in the name of Jesus. Miracles are coming my way. Provisions are coming my way. He's breaking chains in my family right now. I pray the mighty God is over my life. Now, mighty God, move with mighty miracles in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet and give the Lord a great big clap this morning. Come on. In the name, in the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. Bow your head just for one more time. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.